you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grantfully Vaccinated. Rona, Variants, Neo, Matrix. Uh, yeah, all that. But the important part is... One more sleep until the NFL season officially begins for 2021-2022. So we are here to talk about it, joined as always by producer Justin and Michael F. Florio. And uh, you were saying it just before we started this thing, like after eight months of just speculation, it's nice. We'll have real football that actually counts for something after uh, Thursday night. It's going to be nice. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. And last night, Marcus, uh, me, Nicolette, we were walking Cali. And halfway during the walk, I just stopped and I was like, wait, kickoff is tomorrow. And, <laughs> and then I realized I was like, oh, wait, no, I have to wait a whole nother. Like, I just randomly got super excited for it. Uh, so I'm ready, man. I, Thursday night can't get here soon enough. Yeah, it's going to be nice. I mean, we have spent so much time basically just speculating and creating scenarios in our own heads. And so now we get to see it play out for real uh, to see how wrong or generally uh, actually generally how wrong I say see how right or generally how wrong we are uh, about these things. And then we can readjust. Don't worry about the wrong. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Week one is always funny and, and we'll probably do something about this next Monday. But, you know, it's like we see things that happen on Sunday and then we wildly overreact to them. <laughs> uh, and then week two happens and I think we wildly overcorrect. And it's like week three or four when I think we finally center on something uh, that seems close to OK. So, uh, yeah, but it's going to be fun to do that. Um Got plenty to talk about. We will uh, we'll give you some big questions for week one. We'll also have uh, a DFS lineup for those who observe. And then uh, a few sleepers to end the show for week one that you may want to have in your lineup. Or if they're on the waiver wire, maybe go pick them up as well. Uh, but first, let's start with uh, some of the news headlines. Uh, the One of the big ones that came a couple days ago. Now, the last time that we uh, did this show, Justice Hill, running back for the Baltimore Ravens, suffered a torn Achilles. He is out for the season. So now that's two running backs that Baltimore has lost for the duration after losing J.K. Dobbins earlier in the preseason. Um for you, I mean, Gus Edwards is already at the top of the heap after the Dobbins injury. Do you feel like this increases anything for Gus Edwards or, or who ends up sort of benefiting, if anybody, from this? I don't think it really affects Gus Edwards at all. I think Gus Edwards is still the number one back for Baltimore. That's what I anticipated he would be uh, even before Justice Hill got hurt. I mean, and before Hill got hurt, they came out and said, he's our RB3. Tyson Williams is the RB2 here. So I think Hill was more depth. Maybe they would have tried to utilize the three running back set like we saw them do last year when they had Ingram here. But still, I think Hill was looking at maybe just less than five touches a game. I don't think it really had much of an impact on Gus Edwards. So you mentioned Tyson Williams, and I know he's been sort of a popular late ad or, or end of draft pick uh, since the Dobbins injury. The Ravens also went out, and on Tuesday they added Le'Veon Bell to their practice squad. Uh, I know you've picked up Williams in a few places. I've tried, but people have beaten me to the punch on a couple of occasions. Um 
any interest at all in Lev Bell with the Ravens. No, I, I think Lev <laughs> Bell, if, if he has a role here, I think it'll be what Ingram was last year, right? Which was just a pest. Like, Ingram at no point were you like, I want to start this guy or I want to even roster him. But it was Ingram is getting enough work where it makes Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins hard to trust on a weekly basis. And I think, to me, for me at least, Le'Veon Bell is more of a threat to do that than Justice Hill was. Like, I don't think Justice Hill was going to see a whole lot of volume. I think Tyson Williams was going to get the, every crack to be the RB2 here. But Lev Bell, just on name base alone, I don't think he's signing here and not going to be utilized at all. So uh, while I still don't have a lot of interest in him in fantasy, I think it could potentially hurt the upside for Tyson Williams. I don't think it really affects Gus Edwards too much, though, because I still just expect him to be the lead back. You know, the thing that uh, the Lev Bell signing does is it probably takes, uh, this is sort of a, another piece of news that, that happened, it takes Latavius Murray out of play because he was let go by the New Orleans Saints uh, on Tuesday. And as, at the moment, as we're recording this, is a free agent. The moment that news was announced, the speculation was maybe he would end up in Baltimore. I don't think that's likely now. And I saw you uh, tweeting that, uh, you know, for all the sake of your, the sake of all your, your Tyson Williams uh, exposure, you were sort of hoping that maybe Latavius didn't (laughs) land in Baltimore. I I was. And Marcus, you know what thought I had last night? Like Latavius, I imagine now goes to the top of the pecking order for teams that need a running back, Mm -hmm. which means it's going to be a weird start to the season with Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, and your boy Frank Gore all just not in the league because no one wants them. That is weird, right? Uh, and like, look, as much as I love Frank Gore, I sort of get that, right? I mean, like, you know, he he is uh, an elder statesman in the league. Um, you know, I guess a little bit for Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, Gurley, I understand the whole knee issue and everything and his declining production, but like, it it wasn't that long ago that he was arguably the best running back in the league. And, like, maybe a tale of life comes at you fast. And then the fact that all three of those guys are there and Latavius Murray might be the most coveted guy uh, as on the street right now is is kind of saying something. Um, more running back news. This in Detroit looks good for DeAndre Swift to play this week against the 49ers. He's been nursing a groin injury, but the Lions are optimistic that he will be out there on the field. Now, if he does play, though, Florio, they're saying he could be sort of an RB2 this week. I don't know how much that means for Jamal Williams. But as for DeAndre Swift, you and I have basically proclaimed that we are uh, a little bit timid about playing him or having him on our roster. If you do have him, uh, how much confidence can you have in him this week? I don't think a whole lot. Like, I think you have to kind of value him as a low-end RB2 or a flex option um, because, like you said, Marcus, like, yeah, he's they expect him to be out there. But one thing that we kept hearing uh, in the last couple of weeks has been maybe he'll be out there, but how much will he be out there and how effective will he be? He missed pretty much all of preseason, and he's dealing with a groin injury. And groin is one of those injuries, Marcus. It's kind of like hamstring. Like, you just never love to have a running back dealing with one of those injuries because any little tweak and he could be sent to the sideline again plus there's the, the Jamal Williams factor which I know you have been all over this this preseason and then they're going up against the 49ers like which is an extremely hard matchup as well on top of everything else so if I have DeAndre Swift which I don't have a whole lot of him I was kind of fading him I might not have any of Swift but if I did I I think maybe you have to start him as your RB2 or flex depending on your options but I don't feel great about it 
Yeah, I wouldn't feel good about it at all. Uh, you mentioned that Niners defense. Um, they're healthy again, too, at least for week one, right? Like all the pieces are back and, and the reports out of training camp are that this defense looks like they may be back to where they were a couple of years ago. So that that is more bad news for DeAndre Swift and the Lions to start the season. Um, you know, I, I, hopefully he gets better. Hopefully he's more ready for a bigger workload, especially for the folks who spent, you know, say a third round draft pick on him. But uh, this is a week that if you have other options, you know, maybe maybe you explore them. Uh, or at least you, you understand that, that the Swift production might not be pretty great uh, in week one. Um, down in Miami... The the story arc for Miles Gaskin continues. Now Brian Flores basically came out and said he thinks Miles Gaskin has the ability to play on all three downs. Um so I, I continue to waver on Gaskin. I don't know where to go. Like, is is he a three down back that they're going to just use as a sort of a bell cow workhorse type guy? Um, are we going to see, say, the Malcolm Browns or Savan Ahmeds of the world kind of slide back in there? Uh, I mean, how are you feeling? Do you feel more confident about using Gaskin to say, I, look, he's an RB2, I think, at best. But do you feel better about him if we really believe he's a three down back? Yeah, I, like I would use Gaskin over Swift this week if I had both of them on my roster. And Gaskin has had a weird summer, right? Like I think most of us, and myself included, anticipated that he would be a lead back, potentially a three down back there with Miami, because that's what they did last year. Like it didn't matter who the starter was, whoever it was was getting the majority of work, which is what we loved for fantasy. And then week one of the preseason happened and Malcolm Brown got to start and got to work with the ones and Gaskin was playing with the twos and Flores came out and said all three backs could be utilized <laughs> and everyone freaked out, myself included in fantasy Twitter and stuff. Then week two of the preseason happened and Gaskin, not only he dominated snaps with the ones, he was getting a bunch of targets from Tua Tungavailoa. So for me, that kind of put a lot of ease with Miles Gaskins to bed. I, I still have him, like you said, as an RB2 and still even on the lower end of that because they do have other options there. But I think if you drafted him to be your running back too, maybe you waited on, on running back or something like that, you use him there or in the flex play because... Right now, everything I would say is kind of pointing towards him being their their three down back. Yeah, he's going to end up, I think, being a a value for somebody out there because he's a guy that, um, you know, I don't think people were necessarily actively fading him, but people also weren't really talking him up this this offseason because it just felt like the story kept sort of changing about what his usage was going to be. Um, but there he was just kind of hanging around a little bit in that RB dead zone. And if he turns out to really be a three down back for Miami uh, and he can stay healthy because that was sort of an issue last year. But if those two things come together, then he ends up being a pretty good bargain uh, for a lot of folks out there. Plus, uh, I don't know if I appreciate Brian Flores doing this whole Belichick thing about, uh, you know, telling us one thing and then changing it about his running backs and, uh, you know, just you know, be, be straightforward with us. You can you can be honest with us, Brian. It's cool. <laughs> you can you can tell us what you're really going to do. It's all right. Um, in the division up in New York with the Jets, Tevin Coleman right now is listed as the RB1 on the Jets depth chart. Um, I know look, it's it's been a battle all preseason long. I know there's talk that they could use multiple running backs there. Um, but when you see this Tevin Coleman RB1 thing, is this real or is this a mirage from the Jets? 
I think this is real at least to start the season. Like, he still is Tevin Coleman, so I think if Michael Carter could be what we anticipate Michael Carter to be, he will steal the job. Uh, Ty Johnson seems to be a sleeper with fantasy Twitter right now, but... I, I think everything the Jets have done this summer points to Tevin Coleman being the one. First, he's got a lot. Like, he knows his coaching staff very well. Like, this offensive coordinator was play, was coaching under Kyle Shanahan with Coleman in San Francisco and Atlanta. So, they're very comfortable with the system and, and with Coleman there. The one first game of the preseason, Coleman was held out. Then, game two, he started. And game three, he was going to start until the game got delayed due to really bad weather where the Jets held all of their starters. Michael Carter and Ty Johnson played deep into that third preseason game where Tevin Coleman was the running back that they scratched. So I'm thinking Tevin Coleman is the starter. I don't think he is going to be uh, like a, a workhorse back by any stretch. Like I think Carter or Ty Johnson, one of the two, will get involved. I'm hoping it's Carter because I think he is the real upside play here and the guy who we're all most excited for fantasy. But I think early on, Tevin Coleman will get the start. And in week one, like if you lost J.K. Dobbins and you just didn't have a lot of depth at running back, I think Tevin Coleman is like a name that you could kind of stream this week because it's the first game of a rookie quarterback against a defense that struggled against the run last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets kind of emphasized the run game early on. Wouldn't be surprised either. I do think in the long run it's going to be Michael Carter there because he's the guy that they have draft capital invested in. Um, But look, if you are at need in running back, Devin Coleman is rostered in less than 25% of NFL.com leagues. Um, I would think, you know, not having checked the numbers across platforms, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he's not picked up in a lot of leagues. So wherever you're playing, uh, there's a pretty good chance Devin Coleman might be out there on your waiver wire, which basically means I'm going to get a whole bunch of tweets saying, Devin Coleman's already taken in my league, jerk. What are you doing? <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I say for a lot a of people, he's out there. I 16-team, four-running-back league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure I'm going to hear from those people because I, I just said that. But for the most of you, Tevin Cole was probably available. It's at least worth a look uh, in the first couple of weeks of the season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. We are, uh, what, less than 36 hours away from uh, from the start of the NFL season. I can't do math right now, so leave me alone. Um, but I did have five big questions for week one, things that we hope to find out, uh, that we will find out, I think, in, in real time as we watch these games. So let's start with the Thursday night game, Cowboys and the defending champion, Buccaneers. Um, I know you said recently that you're sort of hands off with the Bucks, uh, especially their their wide receiver group, because they've got three guys that can all be really productive there. Do you think we're going to get any clarity on their wide receiver situation by the time that game's done on Thursday? Uh, for me, I don't think so because I could see like like Mike Evans potentially leading them in targets, but God, and then like next week, I think it could be Chris Godwin. So. For me, I would need to see a little bit of consistency here before I'd be like, all right, I was wrong. Like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are clearly the top two targets and AB and Gronk are just complimentary pieces, something like that. Um, I think 
what we could see out of this is how often like it, they're running three wide receiver sets uh is it always Godwin and Evans when they're in two wide receiver sets? Um, so stuff like that, I think, will be telling. Uh, and it could give us, like, it could reinforce what a lot of us are thinking, that A.B. is clearly the third option and the other two are going to be the ones that are on the field more often than not. But I think those two alone could just keep vying to be the top option each week. So I would need to see a little bit of consistency here. But maybe that's just me holding on to my uh, preconceived notions. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I, I, I think, you know, we're going to – this may be a season where any given week, any one of those guys could go off and have a big game, right? Because, I mean, if you're a defense, who do you who do you focus on stopping? Do you, do you resort extra resources to slowing down Chris Godwin, who, by the way, is a little bit banged up. I think the Bucks are, are hoping he'll be able to play on Thursday night, but that's going to be a thing to sort of monitor all throughout Wednesday and probably into Thursday as well. But, you know, do you, do you worry about stopping Godwin? Do you, do you put extra resources on on Mike Evans, uh, when they get down near the goal line, I mean, where are they going? Do they go to Evans? Do they go to Gronk? Do they run the football? There are so many options. It's it's one of those things where you know I've said before, having all these options is great for real football because it makes you really hard to defend. For fantasy football, it's awful because we just don't know where the football is going to go, and it makes it hard to have confidence in any one of your guys. The matchup might be great. I mean. On paper, this is a really good matchup against that Cowboys defense, um, but we don't have an idea of who is going to be the primary target, who's going to see you know, most of the throws, and how it's going to work out. And so, um, yeah, I, I put this on there to see if we can figure it out in week one, but chances are we may be into week you know, 10 or 12 and still not have a really good clue about where the football is going to go in Tampa. Um, we pretty much know where the football is going to go in Tennessee. I mean, they've got three main weapons there with Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio Jones. But do you think now with Arthur Smith as the head coach in Atlanta, Todd Downing as the offensive coordinator in Tennessee, how much different do you think this offense is going to look from what we've seen in the past? I think it'll it'll look pretty similar in the sense that you're going to get a ton of Derrick Henry and then the targets are going to kind of be funneled to the top two options. Like last year, the bulk of the passing was going to Corey Davis and uh, A.J. Brown. And then you had the you had Jonu Smith mixed in there. And actually, I had a, a, on my SiriusXM show over the weekend, I had a Titans beat reporter on. And he said, expect the offense to look very similar to how it looked last year. Maybe a little bit more passing, maybe a little bit less two tight end sets. But they were like... The system that they were running worked perfectly for Ryan Tannehill, and we've seen him struggle in other systems, so why mess with it too much? Um, the one thing I will say, though, is I am expecting more downfield passes, um, particularly just because Julio Jones. Like, Julio Jones is not only um, a better downfield option than Corey Davis. He is a better downfield option, and this is even including, like, as of just last year, still a better downfield threat than A.J. Brown is as well. So I think Ryan Tannehill is going to look to exploit that, especially when Julio gets some one-on-one matchups, which he's going to get, which he did not get a whole lot of in Atlanta. But now teams are going to have to decide, do we want to load up front for Derrick Henry? Do we want to double Brown, double Julio? I, I think Julio is going to have a big year this year. Um, and I think all three of those top options, I mean, they're going – as top 20 picks for a reason. I'm expecting big things out of this offense. The, the, the passing part of it is sort of what I'm, I'm keeping an eye on. I want to see if they are going to be uh, a little more aerial this year. And like you said, if they're going to be more vertical, if they're going to throw the ball downfield, um, that definitely sort of changes things. It's the reason that, you know, especially late in fantasy draft season, I was more excited about taking shots on Ryan Tannehill. Not that I wasn't before, 
Um, but really just starting to think about it and, and hoping what this offense can be made me a little bit more excited about Ryan Tannehill. I felt like we saw his ADP sort of rise uh, as we got closer to, to September. So hopefully that is the thing that, that happens. The other part is that if they do throw the ball more, hopefully that includes uh, a few easy targets for Derrick Henry as well. I, I don't see why they wouldn't figure out how to get this big man out in space, get the ball in his hands, let him get up ahead of steam, and let you know a lot of smaller defensive backs decide to make business decisions. Like, you know, if they want to <laughs> stick their nose in there and try to tackle him, good for you. If not, most of the most of the waking world understands why you made the choice you did. You don't want uh, to be the next Josh Norman. You don't. Nobody wants to be a <laughs> meme, right? Like nobody wants to be a meme. So uh, I'm hoping that's a thing that that Todd Downing incorporates into the offense a little bit more because that would definitely take a guy who's you know coming off the board as a top three or four overall player, uh, and it takes that value even higher than what it currently is. Um, Speaking of values that are high, Kyle Pitts by the end of draft season was routinely the number four tight end off the board. Um, I understand it. I couldn't do it personally, but I get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking down on anybody who made that choice. Week one, though, I do like the matchup. We're going to talk some some DFS lineups in a little bit, but um, Eagles, Falcons, potential to be a high scoring game with you know a couple of offenses that can move, a couple of defenses that aren't so great. Uh, what are your expectations for Kyle Pitts in his regular season pro debut? I, I love the matchup, like you said. I have him ranked as a top six tight end, so I expect big things out of him, I would say, right out the gate. I will say it is his first NFL game, so if he goes out there and, and doesn't live up to expectations, it's understandable. I, I think you have to kind of factor that in. Like It is his first game, um, but... I think he is this team's wide receiver, too. I know we draft him as a tight end, Marcus, but I think they're going to use him as their wide receiver, too. Uh, he is their new Julio Jones, opposite of Calvin Ridley, I think, except for you could line him up in the slot and in line and, and whatever you want because he is he's like a queen on the chessboard. Like You could do whatever you want with Kyle Pitts. So I, I think the ceiling is very high. Uh, the floor, I, I think, is a little bit lower than the other top tight ends just because it is his first NFL game. But it is a great matchup. And if you drafted him, I think you are obviously starting him. I, I think it was interesting for a lot of reasons why the, the Falcons drafted him. Because when I watched him, the name that popped into my head was sort of a an early career young Julio Jones. That was kind of what I saw with Kyle Pitts. It's also sort of why I wanted the Falcons to keep the three of them together because I wanted to see what would happen when you have like, you know, current Julio Jones and like, you know, Julio Jones 2.0 on the field <laughs> together and then throw Calvin Ridley in the mix as well. Um, but maybe he does. Maybe he sort of, you know, Ridley becomes the one and Pitts kind of, you know, rises to that Julio type uh, role. I don't, I don't want to put that on him just yet, but you know that, that he can kind of use that skill set and sort of become their wide receiver too. But I do think that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a big week one for him. There will be struggles. There will be ups and downs, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes firing out of the gate uh, for Atlanta. Um, in Arizona, we all love Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, he's all he, he's a top three quarterback, and I think just about every draft I've seen um, certainly has a chance to finish as the QB one. We don't talk a lot about his receivers. We talk about Duke Hopkins. We don't talk about any of the other guys. Who, in your mind, is Arizona's wide receiver two, and do we trust him? 
Uh, so I think it's AJ Green to start the season, and no, I do not trust him. Uh, <laughs> AJ Green, I know, I know, there's been a lot of positives coming out from Arizona camp about him that he looks good, that it's his first time in his life, that he's not the number one, and he's excited for that. And maybe AJ Green could have a resurgent year here in Arizona, but there's still Rondell Moore, who I, I think has the highest ceiling of all the options behind D Hop, and then there's Christian Kirk as well, and yeah. The Cardinals are going to run more four wide receiver sets than anyone. They've done it in the last two years since they brought uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury on board. So I don't expect that to change. I think we're still going to get plenty of all four being out there on the field. But when they do, you know, go to three or even two wide receiver sets, I think because A.J. Green is the veteran and they paid him, he will be the one that stays out there on the field. I wouldn't be surprised if he is second on this team in targets, but... I also wouldn't be surprised if it's Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore. So uh, until we get a little bit of clarity here, I think you start Kyler. I think you start D-Hop. And the rest, I think, are just bench stashes for now. Even in what I expect to be a high-scoring matchup against the Titans, I cannot tell you with any confidence this is the definite uh, wide receiver two here. So I think you just stash them for now. It's just so wild that that we are having such high expectations for Kyler Murray. And uh, really, there's only one target in this offense that we get excited about. I mean, last year, Kyler had just short of 4,000 yards. I would think this year he can get over over 4,000 yards because there's that extra game in there. Um, you know, and let's let's just say, you know, let's 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 be you know somewhat conservative and say that DeAndre Hopkins gets you what 1600 receiving yards this year I feel like that's that's doable in a 17 game season um you're still talking about there's there's still like you know 24 2500 yards out there available <laughs> passing wise and we just don't feel excited about anybody that's that's catching the ball also I I think for me personally I I can't get back on the Christian Kirk train I've tried I've tried it a couple times, and um, it just never seems to be what I want it to be. So I'm letting go of the rope. So uh, if somebody else wants to pick up that flag and run with it, you are more than welcome to. But I can't. I can't do it myself anymore. Um, Patriots running backs are always a fun co- topic of conversation. I don't fear them anymore. I feel like you know we can kind of figure out how things are going to go. If nothing else, it's worth taking a late shot at a guy like, say, a Ramondre Stevenson, a J.J. Taylor, and seeing what maybe blossoms. We know Damian Harris is the lead back there in that offense. There's still a few other guys hanging around. For you, which Patriots running back, non-Damian Harris division, uh, would you like? I would go with Ramondre Stevenson just because, one, I think he has the potential if Damian Harris struggles as a goal line runner. I think Stevenson can quickly come in and be like, I, I know we, we all, we've heard this comparison before, but he could play that LeGarrette Blunt role where he just kind of comes in and punches in those touchdowns, and there's value to that. Um, but if anything was to happen to Damian Harris and if he was to miss time, I think Stevenson then would get the bulk of the work there and he could come in and be a, a flex option or an RB2 there. James White is always going to have a role as the pass catching back, but he is more of a low ceiling, safe floor type of running back and he could give you like 8 to 12 points in a given week and I, I get that there's value there to that, but I just... For me, I'm all about with my bench spots going for chasing the upside. So I think Stevenson has the highest ceiling there. 
Right. And I think it's, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier this week about sort of building your roster kind of like you build a house where you, you want those high ceiling guys. James White is nice. Uh, he's comfortable. Uh, you know, like you said, he will get you a, a pretty consistent number of points. It's generally going to be pretty low. Um, if that's what you need, then that's fine. Make that move. I, you know, I liked Stevenson during draft season. I will say that as I went through some of my rosters this morning before this show, um, and in places where I needed running back help, of course, the waiver wire being thin. I, I did throw a couple darts at J.J. Taylor. I know that's a guy that Adam Rank has been talking up uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I think he was a guy that I liked last year or a couple years ago, I should say, I guess, during the preseason. Um, never really got an opportunity. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, it's very low risk. Uh, so I, I gave it a shot. But I do think Ramondre Stevenson, with all the talk of LeGarrette Blunt 2.0, uh, really has an opportunity to maybe make some things happen this year, especially if, as you mentioned, Damian Harris struggles uh, doing his goal line work. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right. I know for a lot of folks, it is, you know, certainly season-long fantasy season. But for a lot of folks, it's also DFS season as well. So we'll be you know, giving you our DFS lineups each and every week. So we might as well get started with week one. Uh, Florio, take me through your lineup, why you did what you did and who's on it. So at quarterback, I went with Jalen Hurts at 6,400. Marcus, we were talking up this matchup against the Falcons. I, I really like Hurts' upside this week. Last year as a starter, he was averaging 23 fantasy points and running a whole bunch, and I think he can take advantage of the Falcons' matchup. He is, I think, QB, the QB1 upside this week, and at least top five, I would say. At running back, I went with my guy, Austin Eckler. I don't love the Chargers' matchup this week against Washington, but... My thinking was if Washington is getting after Herbert and they're getting pressure on him, Herbert is going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. So who do you throw to when you have to get rid of the ball quickly? You throw to Austin Eckler. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out this week with like seven, eight catches, something like that. Uh, and then I went with Chase Edmonds as my RB2 to save some money there. But I, I said I think that that Cardinals-Titans matchup could be high scoring. The Titans did allow the third most receiving touchdowns to running backs last year, and Edmonds actually had the third most amongst running backs. So uh, I like his chances there of getting some catches and maybe even a touchdown. A wide receiver, I paid up for Calvin Ridley. Marcus, <laughs> we were talking about this game already, how we like the Falcons uh, and Eagles because bad defenses, but pretty good offenses. So I, I think Calvin Ridley could have himself a day against that Eagles secondary uh, and then a couple of my guys to round out the wide receivers. Jerry Judy at 4,800. Uh, I, I get it that the Giants' defense is a little bit scary, but I think Judy is going to be their top target, especially early on as Cortland Sutton uh, works his way back from that knee injury. I, I don't wouldn't be surprised if Judy finishes this game with double-digit targets. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. at 3,900 just feels like a great value this week. Uh, the Texans really struggled on defense last year and somehow got worse. So <laughs> I think this is a game, Marcus, where Trevor Lawrence could come out firing uh, just to get him his feet wet and, and have him feeling good uh, heading into this season. So I think Marvin Jones at 3,900 has a chance for a couple of deep balls and a touchdown. I, I like that play a lot. 
At tight end, I went with Travis Kelsey. He's the most expensive, but 8,300. He had really good numbers against the Browns last year. And it's tight end, right? Like, I'm cool paying up for the absolute number one option. At flex, I went with Devonta Smith to get that stack in there with Hurts. Again, I think this could be a high-scoring matchup there. And then defense, I only had 2,900 left, which is what the Dolphins cost. So I- I'm cool <laughs> using them because I also think they're a good streaming option because it's Mac Jones' first NFL start, and the Dolphins are a pretty good defense. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Um, yeah, I-, I like that Dolphins pick there. Uh, I like uh, – well, we have, a- we have a couple that are the same. I'll get to those in a second. The, the Marvin Jones thing, 3,900 feels – uh, wildly low. I mean, I guess because it's the Jaguars' offense, but that that feels like a really good value right there. And I did look at the Hurts, even though I didn't go that direction. Um, I looked at that one pretty seriously because I think he he gets off to a really good start this year. Uh, for me, I started with Ryan Tannehill, who's just a hundred dollars more than than Hurts at sixty five hundred. I, I feel like the Cardinals. They struggled stopping the run last year, and when you start your season and you're looking across the way at Derrick Henry, I just wonder whether or not they're going to concentrate on trying to stop him a little bit more, which means that Tannehill will throw the football uh, and pick up some big yards and, and some touchdowns with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, so that's why I went there. James Robinson is my top running back at 6,400 because why not target the Texans? Like you said, they were bad last year, and then they got worse in the offseason, so I think there are a couple times you can really look for big numbers from James Robinson. This feels like one of those games. Uh, after that, I went with Raheem Mostert, who I feel like has been sort of overlooked um, in the last couple of weeks. He is still the number one running back in San Francisco. They've got Detroit, who was awful against stopping the run last year. I think they gave up uh, a league-high 27 rushing touchdowns, if I remember correctly, last year. So uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see Raheem Mostert uh, get off to a really good start this week. I also think Trey Sermon, uh, if you want to kind of be really kind of a value pick, I think uh, could could be nice as well. Uh, I went Calvin Ridley, same as you, because why not? I expect big things this week. Behind him, though, Tyler Lockett at 6,700 uh, in that game against the Colts. And, and, you know, Indy, I think they're good at getting after the quarterback, they had some issues in their secondary, so I, I think that uh, you, know, you can get Tyler Lockett in there. He's a little bit cheaper than DK Metcalf and slots in nicely. T. Higgins at 4,700 finishes out my wide receivers. Um, I think that game against between the Vikings and, and Bengals could sneakily be kind of high scoring. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy points. I even think the defenses are going to get sacks and maybe some turnovers. Um, so I think there's going to be points galore, but I think T. Higgins is going to get a lot of targets. Tight end. I went the Kyle Pitts route because I did look at Travis Kelsey, but I'm like, you know what? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna try to find some value outside of the big three, Pitts seemed like the guy. Just sort of hoping that you know, he gets closer to his upside in Week One. And at 4,400, it felt like a really good spot to to get a a high potential potentially high ceiling player uh, without spending a whole lot in my roster. Uh, I went with you. I went Devontae Smith uh, as my flex option because I do think the Eagles are going to throw a lot, and I think Smith's going to get a ton of targets in week one. And then my defense, the Chargers at 3,100. Washington's offensive line was not great at times last year. They gave up a lot of sacks, and we know for all the excitement that, you know, all the things we like about Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, he will still throw the the ball to the other team's jersey uh, every once in a while. So I'm sort of hoping that the Charger defense back and healthy with Derwin James in that secondary can come out uh, and make a splash in week one. So, uh, yeah, Uh, any thoughts on my lineup? I I like your lineup a lot, Marcus. Um, In fact, I was... I wanted to be a little different, but I think you played the running back position perfectly. Like, you didn't spend up for either, but you have two backs that could easily be RB1s this week because they have fantastic matchups. Like, 
as much as I like the Jaguars' offense against the Texans, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Urban Meyer did the opposite of what I'm hoping for and was like, <laughs> let's not let Trevor Lawrence throw this week. Let's just run James Robinson all week. And then Raheem Mostert, he, he is so explosive. And against the Lions, I mean, he just needs one long carry, and he's going to pay That's off it. for that, that salary. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I do think Urban Meyer is going to consistently do the opposite of what we <laughs> want him to do or think he should do. Um, hey, look, man, it worked on the college level. We'll see how it works uh, in the NFL with him. Um, last thing before we finish our show, of course, everybody wants to know maybe who are some under-the-radar guys that are worth starting this week. So we each got three sleepers that we have our eye on uh, for you who are three guys that people maybe should you know, give an extra long look to this week. I, we've spoke about him a lot already, but Trevor Lawrence for me, uh, I, I again, I think this could be a game where Urban Meyer could come out and let the rookie throw uh, because the Texans last year struggled. I mean, I know they struggled against the run too, but they also struggled against the pass and they, they, they lost key pieces on defense. So for me, I would think that you would want to come out and really let your rookie quarterback get going, right? And get acclimated at the NFL and feel good about himself. So I think this could be a week where he throws for 300 yards. Last year, the Jaguars threw for over 300 yards with Gardner Minshew and Jake Luton. So I don't see why Trevor Lawrence can't do it. Um, I, I have him ranked as a QB1, and I think a lot of people would be a little bit hesitant about starting a rookie in his first week. But I'm firing up Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., your guy, Marcus, the Trojans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Pittman could have a big breakout year, and I, I think it could start early because – no T.Y. Hilton early on and against Seattle. I would not be surprised if the Colts are chasing points. And I know Seattle's defense got better as the year went on last year, but let's not forget they were giving up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers for most of the year. And then we spoke about this guy as well, but Tevin Coleman, I just think that he is going to be the Jets' starting running back this week, and I'm not sure the Jets are going to want – Zach Wilson to throw 30-plus times in his first NFL game. In the preseason, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are relying on the run early on and just a lot of short throws, which means some dump-offs to running backs as well. Yeah, I you know, like I said, we, we, we talked about Coleman and the fact that he's available in a ton of leagues, and, and I think early on they are going to sort of lean on him. I mean, there's a reason he keeps you know, finding homes. He's a talented player. He's just struggled with injury for most of his career, so I'm curious to see how that goes. And the, the Pittman thing, I think, I, I especially like because, as you mentioned, uh, T.Y. Hilton is on injured reserve, short-term injured reserve, so at least early on, uh, he looks like the lead wide receiver in that Colts offense. And Carson Wentz is going to be back, presumably, so uh, hopefully that works out. For me, I'm going to go James Conner as one of them. Uh, they got the Titans to start, and Tennessee was sort of middle of the road against uh, the run last year. But I, I think where Connor has a lot of upside is he is going to be that guy that they can use near the goal line, using short yardage. I mean, last year I felt like they sort of had two similar guys in Arizona with Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. This gives them, I think, more of a... Uh, I know it's cliche, but more of a thunder and lightning kind of combination where you have Connor as kind of a more traditional between the tackles runner. You've got Edmonds as the guy you can get out in space, the satellite backs, as they call them, uh, and, and throw him the football. But I do think when they get close, 
um, you know, maybe instead of you know, smashing Kyler Murray into the line or having him run and potentially take hits, you turn around, you hand that ball to James Conner, and you let him do the work. So I think that could happen in week one. Trey Sermon is another one. I talked about him a little bit earlier. We talk about the matchup against the Lions and, and how they were bad against the run, how I expect they will continue to be bad against the run. And yes, Raheem Mostert should get a lot of work, but we know Kyle Shanahan is not afraid to rotate a couple of backs through there. So uh, again, I'm... I, Week one, I think, is the time to be really optimistic about rookies, and so why not? You know, we're, we're big on uh, Trevor Lawrence. We talked about Devontae Smith. Uh, let's throw Trey Sermon in the mix as a rookie who could get off to a quick start this week uh, against Detroit. And the third one, you'll like this one, Florio. Tyler Higbee. Um, and I, I stumbled upon uh, a few weeks ago the... Tyler Higby post hype truther segment of fantasy Twitter, right? Where they're like thinking, like, like maybe we were a year too early. Because um, last year he had that one big game in week two against Philly where he scored three touchdowns and really didn't do much of anything the rest of the year. I don't think that suddenly Tyler Higby is going to blossom into this, like, you know, top tier tight end. But there are times you can use them. And I think this week, uh, against the Bears, surprisingly, of all teams, I think there's a spot to use them. They gave up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends last year. In fact, I think they gave up the second most fantasy points per game to the position. Um, you know, we know they can get after the quarterback. We know they're pretty tough against the run. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a chance for Matthew Stafford and Tyler Higby to, to make some magic in week one. So, um, you know, if you are going of the streaming tight end route, um, this might be a pretty good matchup to start the season there. Uh, I, I haven't asked you. Are you you're, you're not back on the Tyler Higby train this year, are you? I am not. I, uh, <laughs> I I I got burned last year. Maybe maybe that's why I just can't get excited for him again this year. But I do have him in my league of records, sadly, Marcus, because I waited <laughs> on tight end. Ended up with him and Gerald Everett. Uh, they're now apart. They're, no, they're only together on my fantasy team. But I'm going with Higby this week, so I hope, I hope you're right. And it's for the reasons you said the Bears struggle against tight ends. Get after the quarterback, which, I mean, and which could lead to some short passes, and then they're good against receivers. So this is a week to use him, but I'm not, I don't think he is going to be a top five tight end like I said he had the potential to be last year. Yeah, I mean, he had that ridiculous finish to 2019, and I know that's what got a lot of people excited about him. I think we all knew that what he did at the end of 2019 wasn't sustainable in 2020, but I think we all expected more than what we got from him last year. Um, I did not expect the Rams offense to become what the Rams offense became last year. Yeah, that was not great. Uh, and by the way, Gerald Everett, I think, has some sneaky value in Seattle because you know, the Seahawks really love their tight ends down near the end zone. They just need one that can stay healthy for, for the entirety of the season. <laughs> I, I love Gerald Everett this year. He Russell Wilson in his career, Marcus, has thrown a quarter of his red zone passes to tight ends. Mm. Gerald Everett, I think, is their go-to tight end there. And then he can he's a good athlete. And with defenses focusing on the downfield ability of, of Lockett and Metcalf, I think he could get a lot of short passes underneath and then just run after the catch. Yeah, I think I think it's very, very possible for him this year. Uh, all right, so before we wrap this thing up uh, to start the season, um, I don't know, any uh, any final parting words from fantasy draft season as we get ready to start this thing for real? Uh, I, I know we kind of joked about it early on. Um, everyone wants to win week one, but do not panic if you don't. We just spend <laughs> the last nine months, eight months, whatever it is, analyzing this stuff. One week doesn't change all of that, and... It's possible to lose week one, maybe even week two, and then still make the playoffs. So don't panic. 
early on. Yeah, and especially because we got one extra game this year too. So yeah. uh, there's 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 a little more time for you to make up that ground. Uh, I will just remind you that you know, we spent a lot of time obviously talking about drafts because that's what people are doing this time of year. But uh, to be successful, it takes more than just a good draft. Having a good draft helps. Um, but you know, you still got to be active on the waiver wire, try to make some trades, but in order, more than anything, just do something that's going to be fun for you, right? Like, you know, don't overburden yourself. Don't, uh, don't have players that you don't enjoy watching. Just make it fun because, uh, this is a game about a game. So, you know, treat it as such, uh, and enjoy it. So, and, uh, yeah, I was going to say, remember that setting your week one lineup is kind of like taking a test on the first day of school. Like you're just <laughs> guessing. Like, we have educated guesses, but we're still figuring a lot out. It's a lot of guessing. And I would also say treat it like uh, treat it like a menu, like at the Cheesecake Factory. Just, like, pick what you want and then close it. Because the longer you stare at it, uh, the more you're you going to rethink it. be there for hours. Show. Yeah, exactly. So just set it, put it away, and then you'll come back to it uh, once the game starts on Sunday. So, anyway, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, when the French swear, do they say pardon my English? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, enjoy week one, and we'll talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.